Hey everyone, Ken and Michael back for episode 35 of Shot of Business Central and a Beer, the one and only podcast made to help users like you achieve business central greatness and learn a little bit about beer in the process. Uh, today we've got the latest business central news. We'll be discussing software, uh, the software's default mandatory fields, and we're going to take a look at some apps that extend the functionality of these default and mandatory fields as well. But first, let's talk beer. Ken was kind of adamant this month about bringing in the beer. Uh, I think my choice of Manny's pastrami flavored beer last month maybe put him over the edge. So, uh, Ken, how have you been? Uh, what are we drinking? And uh, on your ride home, do you ever curse me out after I bring in the beer? <laughs> You're, you know, great to be here, Michael. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm happy I brought in the beer this month. <laughs> You've just been killing me with this heavy, dark, strong beer recently. Yeah. The uh, the box and porters and stouts. Yeah. Um, granted, we made it through the – we're almost through the winter now. Heading into spring is around the corner. And I thought we would go back to the old just traditional beer. Just traditional so, beer. So we're going today with uh, Krombacher Pils. It's a Pilsner, German Pilsner beer. Um, it's just old-fashioned good beer. Yeah, definitely not too strong. 4.8% alcohol. Not like the uh, yep. stuff that I've been picking in, bringing so, in. So cheers. Go ahead cheers. and take a sip. I went ahead and, and brought in some, uh, some uh, fr frosted glasses, th threw some glasses in the Can freezer. Nice icy cold beer. It's about as cold as it can get. I yeah, I know. It's uh, it it tastes. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, it's just beer. It's just a really good tasting beer, nice and cold. Yeah, great spring summer beer, I'd say. Yep. So I think it's like a well. I picked uh, the Kronbacher Pilsner. It's just like I think it's like a really good, well balanced. You know, it's not too strong. It's not too overpowering. Right, it's, no, it's, not at it's all. Um, but it's not also not like a super light beer. There's like these um, Hell's beers, which are like German light pilsners, yeah, um, or just even a domestic light beer. Where sometimes it's just like it, it, it just not almost doesn't it, taste right? like beer. It's not yeah. A, yeah, character flavor in it. Yeah. Um, I think no, like this is a kind of a good, nice balanced. Uh, no, it's really good. Beer. I mean, it's got the traditional beer look, good carbonation. And like you said, it's cold, right? So a beer like this has to be cold. You can't drink this any, any other way besides cold. So, Ken, is a Pilsner a lager or is a lager a Pilsner? <laughs> <laughs> all Pilsners are lagers, but not all <laughs> lagers are Pilsners. I had to do it. I remember when, the first time we had one, you asked me. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. So the beer, you know, beer ratings. If you go on to beeradvocate.com, check that out. You know, you're you're not going to find a really high rating on it. No, it's not fancy you know, because it's right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't does it's not strong enough or yeah. you know bold enough, um, you know, to be rated high. Um, but what's the rating? It's like a uh, three point four out of five. That's too low. Come on. Which is really low. And then you get like this, you know, here, 2.2. Someone oh. says, um, and, and again, I think this just goes to show that it's all about personal preferences, right, for beer. And right. that, that's what's great about it. There's so many different varieties and yeah. types. This guy says, or person, I don't know, uh, Borazov, 
from the Russian Federation. So, oh. yeah. uh, says uh, vodka drinker. The beer has a sour taste, the type of hop that reminds me of lavender. In general, it is slightly saturated. I do not like this type of beer. Right. See, so, so I think of somebody who rates this low is just somebody who's who doesn't really like the actual normal taste of beer, right? They have to have the, uh, you know, the Barry Weisses or the the flavored beers that actually drink beer, right? So those are going to be their fours and five stars, where this would be like a two to them. Yeah, but few people say they like their pilsners with with rich and noble hops, whereas apparently this hops. does not have enough noble hops or flavor uh, to it. Can't speak so. to that. But I'll tell you what. I I am sure going to enjoy it as we um, not only enjoy this fine Pilsner beer, but we have some dots, honey, mustard, seasoned pretzel yep. twists as well. Ken went all out this. So month. we're gonna I'm gonna kick back, enjoy a couple cold ones here, and talk about mandatory fields uh, in Business Central and, and share some other news and notes with the folks. Hey everybody, welcome back to a shot of Business Central and a beer. And here we're going to be doing our shot segment here and give you some some shots of news uh, regarding Business Central. And first, uh, we're going to start off with updates. Uh, BC Online is now at 19.3, but you know they're coming out hot and fast so i think i'm not sure if we fully went through even last month because of the timing right. of this uh 19.3 that came out so and it is a little bit noteworthy there were no in 19.3 there were no new features that were deployed with it no new localizations or regulatory updates at all but there were 14 platform updates and 94 application updates. Wow, which is, is a generally lot. a lot, especially right after a major release. Yeah, usually they've been averaging, uh, let's say 40 to 60 application updates per month. Yeah. Um, and, and so 94 was kind of kind of like double uh, the usual count. And, and if you, you know, just go out there and do a, a Bing search for Business Central 19.3, and, and you'll see the article, and you can actually click on the, the detailed list of fixes. Uh, and it's surprising what you see if you read through them. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are, are you know, little, mundane right. things that you would never even stumble upon. That most people, yeah. But there were a few on there that caught my eye that were like, huh. Like, yeah. is this something that has never worked and somehow it's just now getting fixed? Or... Maybe it recently got broken at some point during a major release or something, and, and it's getting repaired or whatever. Um, but how beautiful is it that you do nothing and all of these fixes are delivered into your business central environment? And, you know, let's put it together for the cloud, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who would have thought five years ago that that's the way it was going to be? <laughs> Although I don't refresh my memory. If you had NAV hosted on, like, an Azure tenant where the updates... No, they not automated. No, you had so to basically so still someone had to apply those. Yeah, you know, so, so not bad. Do you uh, do do you know which ones that the nineteen point three updates were kind of caught your mind that or no? Nah, not off, not the, top, off the top of my head. But they were things you know things related to like 
commonly use things like yeah. uh, you know, maybe like a trial balance report or yeah. uh, aged accounts receivable that are things that I know people use all the time. Yeah. And, and it's like... So you had to do hmm. like a double take. Like, yeah, what? Like, wait, what? No way. <laughs> so, yep. Now how about uh, 19.4? So 19.4 came out as well. Uh, not as many things as 19.3. Really only one feature change where and it is to... Uh, uh, they are now allowing delegated admins to set up and run cloud migration with approval from a licensed user. So partners, you can now do it. Yep. Um, you know, as usual, there's a bunch of hot fixes. I don't know how many. Do you know how many? Uh, no? Six platform updates, 35 application updates, and about a dozen or so updates for, uh, or for updates for different localized versions, different yeah. countries. Yeah, I saw that uh, Mexico, Norway, Germany, and Italy had some localization updates, but not you know more more along the lines of a standard standard rollout update, nothing crazy. Yep. Yep. But, all right. So those are the updates, and uh, now let's get into Ken. I know has some announcements about DynamicsCon. Yeah. So um, right. So being part of the community as we are, uh, it's always exciting to see. You know, new opportunities to share um, with with others our, our knowledge and help other people be successful with Business Central. So, um, yeah, Dynamics Con is a group out there, um, relatively new, uh, and they are uh, hosting a conference in San Antonio in September, September 14th through the 16th uh, in San Antonio, and. Uh, it's called DynamicsCon Live. The UR, uh, URL would be live.dynamicscon.com. And uh, I have been um, very excited and uh, blessed to be able to go serve as a speaker All right. uh, at the conference. So that's the plan, uh, covering uh, jobs and manufacturing and, uh, you know. All the good stuff. Yep. So some of that stuff. So it's uh, coming up, and I'm excited uh, to be heading down to Texas. Fall. Yeah, because you were at uh, Directions for the, the last one in Texas. So yeah. if, if I remember correctly, I would imagine you have a recommendation for Dynamics Con about signs when you walk into uh, when you walk into the uh, the, yeah. the room pay, or whatever. Yeah, pay, pay attention to which conference <laughs> yeah. you're at. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It looks like relatively affordable. Um, I think it's five hundred dollars yep. uh, to attend the conference. Yeah, for, for a couple of days. I don't know um, how many sessions there are total, though. You know, like, for instance, uh, Directions is back-to-back-to-back to back to back with multiple multiple yeah. sessions or time, but uh, I don't know. Just, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, not sure. Um, I know that I think, you know, Wednesday, the f- September 14th, there's, like, a social event. Uh, Thursday, keynotes and sessions, and then a community reception till 7 o'clock, and then on Friday... Uh, the 16th, um, it's not not super specific on it, but... Um, nice. You know. Sounds so. good. But speaking of DynamicsCon and all that, you know, there's 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 other groups and forums, and, and, and lately um, I had been personally confused on who is who. So, for instance, there's the D365 UG, which used to be NAVUG, Business Central UG, then Dynamics Communities, and now I think it's called Acceleration economy um but i thought their forum had got transitioned to the microsoft community 
which is still active and people are using it. Mm-hmm. But people are still using the... The um, BCUG yeah, forum, uh, forum as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that if you go on their homepage, I think they're trying to make a little bit of a comeback with the forum now. Um, and I just found out today that, uh, I mentioned the can a couple days ago, there's a, another forum called dynamicsusers.net. But I went on there and I went on like the, uh, the About Me page or whatnot, and I couldn't figure out who this was or who this is. There wasn't too much information. But I just found out today from sitting in on a phone call with the DynamicsCon people that that's one and the same. DynamicsCon and this DynamicsUsers.net go together. Uh, I believe they refer to their whole organization as Doug, which is Dynamics User Groups. So uh, it's they it's, all sound kind of similar. They do. So it's getting well. it's getting a little a little confusing out there. But uh, you know, hey, it's it's more information for people to to go out there and try to solve their problems before they have to yep. talk to a partner or, or yeah. You know, to and then there things. is the uh, yeah the, the the Microsoft user community right also, which um, you know the there it also has a forum. Where you can post questions and, and uh, requests and things, yeah. and uh, what's not, what's what what differentiates that is that the the Microsoft support team actually monitors that mm-hmm. and and will reply to those. Yeah. So you, you you actually will get responses from Microsoft employees who who are supporting Business Central. Yeah, I'm not a big a fan of the uh, Microsoft Dynamics community layout, as I am like the old. Um, Dynamics user group uh, forum. forum and the new Dynamics user group forum. Yeah, I, I, I tend to like that, that layout a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hey, to each their own and it works out. Yeah, I mean, the, <clears throat> the best thing is that there's multiple options out there. There's multiple forums and think about the, you know, the, the, the user adoption is continuing to increase. Mm-hmm. There's more users out there every day. Yeah. Um, which means more help, and which means Microsoft is going to prov- be providing more resources towards it. Yeah, and it's interesting because I was on a call today, and I think they mentioned that the first user group started, I can't remember what the person's name was, but it was started in 1995 for NAV and, hmm. and, and those things, or, or maybe not NAV, but for something like that. And it, it slowly transitioned in the beginning, and then the last like six or seven years, it has just taken off, they said. Is it Mibuso.com? It might have been. It might have been. <laughs> that's one that's been around for a long time. Uh, M-I-B-U-S-O uh, dot com. They used to have like, things where you could download, like a download section. Oh, where yeah? You could actually download a- uh, objects and things like oh, really? that for Navision and NAV Maybe. back in the day. So, But you got something interesting in, the, in one of the emails, right, from one of the... The forums? Yeah. So uh, speaking of, yeah, these the forums being, you know, um, you know, useful for people. So was it last month or it might have been two months ago? We, you and I here, right here, talked about um, Business Central for Big Businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Maybe I two months might, ago. Yeah, it might have been two months ago. And we talked about... Um, how Microsoft is, is is putting numbers on, you know, what do they consider to be a quote big business for right. Business Central in terms of number of records, number of transactions, uh, and so on. Got to be careful. And yeah, right? they don't they don't put a hard number on it. Really, what they say is, 
they're not saying that if you're over these numbers, you're a big business. They're saying once you get to these numbers, check with your partner to make sure everything runs smoothly. Right, right. <laughs> so, and, and it's Microsoft, right? So, you know, um, you, know, you always have to consider the source. Of course. Not, not that I don't trust them, but, you know, still. Um, but I, I have to give a, a special shout out here to uh, Graham Gallagher from New Zealand Panels Group. Um, who is a Business Central uh, user, and he posted um, just recently here um, to share uh, on on the on a forum, the BC uh, BCUG forum, um, about a, a question pertaining to how big is you know when too big or something. yeah when you know is anyone experiencing performance problems? We're running NAV on premise. Can we move to BC Online? Is yeah. that is that reasonable for us and or feasible? So uh, uh, Graham, when he went ahead, I'm, I hope I'm saying that correctly. I believe I am. Uh, but uh, he he shared uh, just recently some some specific numbers about their organization, um, and and I'm going to go ahead and just read here, so I'm not uh, misquoting or anything. Um, but I think it's uh, it's 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 really interesting. Um, he says, uh, we've recently implemented BC in the cloud. We opted for that rather than running manufacturing because our bomb structures are simple, blah, 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 blah. And here's where it gets interesting. So then in the quoting now. <laughs> he, <laughs> blah, 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 blah that, that was me. Yeah. So now quoting. Uh, we have s approximately 75 users on at any one time processing about 2,000 assembly orders a day across five plants. The processing is done from a proprietary shop floor application that hooks into BC through API at production scheduling, uh, packing and dispatch. We have approximately 35,000 actively moving finished goods and components. Honestly, the performance has been better than we expected it to be. Before moving to BC, our ERP ran on a local server through an RDP connection, simple and fast. But we don't feel that we have given up much performance-wise by shifting to the cloud. Wow. Hope that helps. Cheers, Graham. So Kudos to Business Central Cloud, right? So, yeah, I would encourage uh, anyone out there who's running BC online, you know, if you have numbers, I mean, you're willing to share just general transaction-type volumes, right? You don't have to be yeah. super specific about how you're doing it or, or any of the detailed magic uh, behind <laughs> the scenes. But but this is interesting. I mean, um, you know, 75 users concurrently running. Yeah, good um, amount. Five locations across, yeah. so across uh, five locations and 2,000 assembly orders being processed per day for 35,000 different item records. That's a good amount. Um, that's, that's a reasonable amount. Um, yeah, I, I personally think if once you... If, if you move to Business Central Cloud, right, there's some things to take into consideration. Just like if you're on-premise, you have to worry about your servers and, and all that. I think that once you, you get your internet lined up and the speed lined up with that and, and, and everything's set up in Business Central, I think it's just as fast as, as on-premise. I mean, I think it might even have the potential to be quicker because, you know, if you want to go faster on-premise, there's some things you have to actually pay for to upgrade to, to make it go faster. This is kind of going to... It's dynamic, right? We, exactly. As we saw a couple months ago... They're monitoring the, the usage of resources within that in BC environment, 
And once you, I think it was once you, once it hits a 60% threshold, it switches. It doubles the available resources yep. for that tenant or for that environment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's to your point to, again, what is that value? How, how do you put a, you know, a it's monetary hard. value on, well, first of all, you can put a monetary value on how much, how much did we not have to pay an additional hardware? Mm-hmm. servers, rack space, whatever, right. right? That infrastructure, you can put a a hard number on that. So there's like a hard ROI. Yeah. But how about the fact that no one had to do anything and it, it saw that you're using yes. the, above the threshold and automatically trans, you know, added yeah. capacity. Right, and Microsoft and, also keeps adding things to speed up Business Central yeah. too within the Without having to do anything, right? right? That's, that, that's where it's hard to put the, the money value to. Yeah, right? It's a, um, so. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But it's a testament, I mean. Yeah, know. so please, uh, yeah, I would encourage people, uh, if they can, there's, an art, there's a posting. Uh, the headline is uh, Business Central Manufacturing-Cloud. Um, that's kind of the post that this is this is under um, and I would encourage others to go out there and, and share some some details of, of what they're kind of uh, running yeah so speaking of business central cloud this one's kind of for the partners um, partner sandboxes we've heard about them in the past where uh, you know well first of all it's it's kind of an issue for partners right where there's not enough sandboxes to go around for employees of, of Microsoft partners to get in there and try things out and and just work on stuff right so what Microsoft did is they, they noticed it and, you know, people are complaining. Now they have a new feature where partners can actually buy um, partner sandboxes. So what you do is you've got to go to a page, which we'll, we'll uh, put the link in our show notes. You've got to request the license. There are two types of licenses. The first one is the partner sandbox license. Now for both of these licenses, you have to have a minimum of five licenses. So I think they're like five or six dollars a piece, something like that. Yeah. But you got to have a minimum. Uh, the partner sandbox license is basically uh, a business central essentials license to a point, right? So it's going to give you access to a full production environment and three sandbox environments. Then there's the partner premium sandbox license, which is everything the uh, partner sandbox license is, but you get the premium features. So uh, not I don't I don't know exactly what the uh, the exact prices are for it. I think it's probably like five dollars for one, six for the other. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll look to see if I can put it in the show notes, but it's out there. So partners yeah. use it. Yep, yep, that's helpful. Um, definitely helpful for larger partners who have a lot of people, a lot of resources, and you want each resource to have their own environment so they can. Try out apps, do development, configuration, look at yeah. new versions as they're coming out. So there's there's a lot of benefits to it, and um, so yeah, it's new cost of doing business for partners, I suppose. <laughs> that it is. All right, well that's all I got for uh, the shot. You got anything else? Nope. Ken is done. All right, next up we're going to talk about default and mandatory fields in Business Central. Hey everybody, we have uh, today for our feature spotlight, we're going to be talking about mandatory fields in Business Central. Should uh, be fun. Yep. There's a few of them. Yep. So I'm enjoying, still enjoying, and I'm not getting paid, by the way, for this, but Krumbacher Pilsner is delicious today. <laughs> so. That um, it is. So 
for mandatory fields, uh, there is a standard feature in Business Central called mandatory fields. And how this works is um, if you ever go in and let's say you create a new vendor record, let's say for example, you may notice that there are certain fields. As soon as you hit the new button, it opens the vendor card. Mm -hmm. And the name field is a good example. It will have it will display a red asterisk immediately to the left of the of the field where you enter the name. Yeah. And then what happens is as soon as you enter the vendor name and leave the field, that red asterisk disappears. So um, what that does is that's a visual indicator mm -hmm. to you that that field was a mandatory field and that it needs to be filled in. And as you scroll down, you may go to other tabs and you know, North, uh, tax area code is another one. Posting groups yeah. um, would be like another example, like vendor posting group or general business posting group. Those have red asterisks on it if you yeah. leave those values blank. Um, but so, mandatory isn't really mandatory, right? Yeah, so that's, that's what we're here to talk about, right? So <laughs> what does the word mandatory mean? Well, in Business Central speak, it means that this is a field that generally you're going to need to fill in or you may get an error message if you try to post transact, create or post transactions for this record, right? Yeah, so according to Microsoft, it means that you will not be able to complete a process without these fields being populated. So, but what is the process? Like you were saying on a new um, customer card or, or name or whatever it is, if the name is required and you don't fill it in and you exit out of it. What happens? It's, right, it's going to notify you, I think, right? But what is what is completing the process? Did it not create the, the customer card? Would that be not completing the process? Right. But I think it does, doesn't it? The take, yeah. The takeaway here is that these these fields that are marked as mandatory fields with the red asterisk are not actually mandatory for you to continue. Not all of them. It's it's uh, <laughs> right. It's a strong suggestion, if you will, or a recommendation. Yeah. But indeed, you can leave the record and and process and continue on without filling it in. Uh, you and I, we just did a test here. Uh, if, you, if you have an item record with no description on it, you will see that there's a red asterisk on the description on the item card. However, I was able to create a sales order and ship an invoice that sales order with that item that had a no value set right. in the description. So you're able to complete the process. Yes, and which is an issue, I guess, right? A little bit of an issue. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it can be misleading to people. You know, when they see, oh, this. If the system says this is a mandatory field, I think the first expectation that people get is that they're going to get an error message. Yes, one hundred percent. If they, if they try to save this record and leave the record without filling in that field. Yeah, I I always think, and this is just me. Where if I, I was just creating whatever record it was if i didn't enter the the mandatory field i'd get the error message but then if i left that page my assumption is it would not save it because i did not finish whatever it was i was supposed to finish yep 
but Business Central's assumption is different. <laughs> yeah, it works differently. You'll, you'll notice uh, when you're on any page, let's say you're adding a new item record, um, you will see up in the top right corner, there's a little uh, indicator. And, and usually there's a little check mark and it says saved. Gotcha. Right? Um, but as you go through a, a vendor or an item record and you're making changes to it, you'll actually notice if you change a field and advance out of the field, you'll see that little save checkbox kind of switch momentarily. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's saving it's as you go. Yeah. So what happens is there's kind of two, two levels of data being saved. One is it's as you go. As you're creating, right, you create a new item, right. you're filling it in, it's saving as you go. So if something were to happen, you close the page, it saved it. Yeah. You, you, there's no save button. Right. It's automatically saving it. Um, but there is the ability to embed logic at the page closing to uh, in addition to that to say, hey, uh, when I close the page check these fields or oh, do the do you. this logic or gotcha. whatever it is right so so there is an opportunity to to build extensions so, or extend the business central functionality to actually do a true code mandatory so field right could that you says i need sorry. but if i close this item page and i didn't fill in the description don't let me leave that page okay. until i filled that it that was in. my question Right. So could you build something that doesn't let the page close until you fill it in? Correct. Okay. Yep. And you that can makes do a lot that. Of sense. You know, and depending on what your requirements are and how you want to do it, um, sometimes you may say, you may give the user a warning. You have not filled in the description. Would you still like to close? Mm -hmm. And you could say yes or no, and then it keeps you on the page so you can go fill it in, and then that error goes away. So what do you think the reasoning is behind... There, I mean, I understand why there's a red asterisk letting you know this feels mandatory. But what's the reasoning behind letting you leave the page and, and whatnot, uh, you know, when it's business central out of the box? Yeah. I can't think of anything. You know, my only, um, my only guess is that, you know, business central is a, it's a fairly substantial application in mm -hmm. terms of the tables and the fields and functionality, right, in there. And the way that it's kind of architected to, to truly enforce that, right, it, it, it's a lot of effort to say, right, we want, we want to make, we want to, you know, enforce this. And, here, and here's really why. Because if they were to develop a feature for mandatory fields, it, it wouldn't be good enough simply for Microsoft to determine the specific fields that they want to make mandatory. You would have to provide a front-end tool application mm -hmm. for the system administrator for each company to go in and specify exactly which fields on which tables they want to be mandatory for their company. Gotcha. Um, so they got to build a little bit more And into I think it. it's a significant exercise. There is a Business Central idea out there right now uh, that that needs more votes for Microsoft to act on it. Yeah. Um, and and um, I I am actually going to post another a separate one, or I may I may just add to it. Add to this this existing one. 
Um, because what I would envision is something similar to the change log. If you're familiar with the, the Business Central or the change log function, mm -hmm. change log allows you to track, right, to write a change log entry and, and you can pick which tables and which fields you want to track. I see that same functionality applying to uh, mandatory fields. If, sense. Right. If I can track at a field level, which fields do I want to track when they were inserted, modified, or deleted? Why can't I also just check a box that says, "Oh, this is a mandatory field." Yep. Right. I think you should be able to. And and <laughs> so, you know, uh, in our app segment today, we are going to tie that into this discussion, and we're going to take a look at one. Mandatory, mandatory field apps field. plus a couple other ones. Yep. Um, so, so, so there are apps out there. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. But I really think this is because of the global nature of it that the fact that you would want this to be universally available for companies to pick and choose which tables and which fields they want. Mm -hmm. I see this as as being a, a new feature down the road at some point that Microsoft embeds with the standard Absolutely. product. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much of a necessity for it not to be included with Business Central out of the box. I, yep. I completely agree with you. Yep. And, you know, they'll add it to the base code, hopefully, and make it kind of simple. And yep. Maybe that's where the issue's hard if you had custom fields. I don't know. but Yeah, so, so let's, uh, you know, I wanted to just wrap up this segment to say, you know, so to answer the question people probably have as well. Out of the box, when I open Business Central and I look at the item card, I see that there are maybe like, let's say, five or six fields that have this red asterisk. What if, I, what if you want a different field to also have a red asterisk on it? Or you've added custom fields and you want the red asterisk to appear on that. Mm -hmm. How do you do it? The answer is through an extension. Yep. So there, there is no front-end user feature where you go in and you can quote you know mark something right. as as a field uh, code mandatory field mandatory uh, instead you there is a property under the hood within code that a developer can go in and, and set this property show mandatory equal to yes and that code or that through that extension is what then will put that red um, box on there now there is also, while you're in there, right, if you're doing this extension to say, hey, let's make this code mandatory, there is a second property, separate property called not blank, that you also, instead of do, saying the show mandatory that'll put the red asterisk, or in addition to that, mm -hmm. you could set the not blank property equal to yes, and that will stop or block the user from saving or leaving that record if so that field has not been populated. Right. So, I mean, that sounds like something that most people would want. So it's pretty, it's pretty exactly. nice. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, so if you're running Business Central today and you say, I really have to have some mandatory fields that get filled in before the user can, can, can continue, mm -hmm. then what you, you would have to do code. is just build an extension that sets these field properties on them uh, to not blank equals yes, and and you should be able to continue. Or you could download an extension, right? 
Yes, which we're going <laughs> to talk about next. So stay tuned. Ken and Michael back for the app segment, and today we're uh, going to be focusing on uh, one particular app called Naftilis Mandatory Fields by actually Naftilis. Hope I'm saying that right. And then now after we take a look at that, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other apps that we saw that might do a little bit of the same thing uh, as Naftilis, but that's going to be towards the end of this segment. So let's talk about Naftilis. Uh, according to Naftilis, mandatory field setup enables you to set up certain fields on records in a table that must be basically mandatory and it gives you to set up these fields with conditions and whatnot. I have to say it was one of the easier apps that we've tried to, to download and install. It worked. Uh, the features are great, which we'll talk about. The pricing is free. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's never ending. And I'm not a Business Central Power user by, by any means, I'm a marketing guy. So for me to actually go in there and set it up and, and be able to use it is uh, top notch in my book. <laughs> Consider myself maybe just a, a basic user. Uh, when I went in there with Ken and we went through it, Ken's obviously a, a, uh, a master at Business Central. He didn't even look at like the installation documentation. <laughs> he just went in there and blasted through it and, and set up everything. And That's how people do it. That's that, my that goal, is, right? Yeah, yeah, that is. No one, no one reads. That's a guy thing, right? Yeah, you just, let me see. I should yeah. just be able to click here and hit yes and away <laughs> we go. Yeah, I guess if I'm building something, fine. But software, I'm a little bit different. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I said, installation was, was simple. You can go in there and you can set any field that you want to mandatory. You can set any custom field that you've created to mandatory. Um, I know, Ken, you've got the Excel chart that we uh, we marked off on a couple things. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. what do we got in there? Yeah, well, we, we, we ran this through the ringer. Um, you know, uh, usually we... Sometimes we'll get together and we'll review an app and go through the process together. Sometimes you'll do it. Sometimes I'll mm -hmm. do it. Um, and, and, and in this case, we, we got together, went through the installation, the, some quick setup. Um, and Maybe we should tell, tell the viewers that we were actually planning on going through four or five different apps. Yeah. And this was actually the first one. And it kind of knocked it out of the ballpark. Yeah, we, we thought, you know, I think, um, well, we, we had so much fun yeah, exactly. setting it up and testing it that that we ran out of time. And uh, yeah. so we'll, we'll highlight a couple other options out there and what they may offer above and beyond what we looked at. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if you're looking for something for free, um, this is this this worked great. So what we did was we did some very we, and we documented kind of our testing and um we did some very specific types of tests. The first one we did is we, we wanted to make sure that we could set a field on a card page as mandatory, so like on the customer card. Mm -hmm. So we, we set it up for payment method, and, um, and, that, and that worked. worked. We then said, what about a list page? So uh, I set it up, uh, the, the description on the payment terms list page, right. where you set up payment terms. Um, same thing, set up a rule on that, worked. Uh, we tried it on a journal page. Specifically, we, we set the reason code to code mandatory mm -hmm. on the item journal page. 
And what was noteworthy about that one was it was a journal page, but the reason code was not displayed on right, my reason right. code, right? I had to go personalize it to add it. But even when it wasn't displayed as it's a field still, on the page, it still checked it and, and gave, and me, a note, it, gave yeah. me a warning. Yeah. Um, we tried it on a document header. So we, we set up a rule that said, okay, when I enter a sales document, make sure that my shipping agent is, is populated. Yeah. Worked. We then took it one step further and said, well, wait a minute. A shipping agent is required on a sales order, but not a sales quote. So we went into the setup and, and we saw that you could actually set filters. Mm -hmm. So we set a filter on the rule to say document type is order. And then when we went in, again, we went to the order, it still worked. But when we went to a sales quote, we did not get the warning there gotcha. on the mandatory field. Right. So you, you can even set filters to limit when that mandatory rule mm -hmm. comes into play. We then did it on a document line. Um, that was a little trickier. So I think... Uh, this is the one that didn't work out. Yeah, well, it, right. it was popping the... You know, it seems like they've embedded the link, the 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 check into like a, a validate mm -hmm. function, so it was popping up multiple times as you added a line. Right. So, you know, it worked, but it worked, but it was a little annoying. Yeah. Um, validating really. So that quickly. was the one thing, and then we did a custom field. We had a uh, in our environment, we had a, a custom field that had been added to the customer, and we were able to set up a mandatory rule for our custom field. That one kind of shocked me. I didn't think that was going to work. Yeah. Yeah, especially for a free it's like a table free extension. extension. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, we did then um, multiple fields. So we we said, well, what if we've got two fields on the customer and those are both mandatory and I leave them both blank, what's going to happen? It popped one message telling me and it listed both of those fields that they were both blank. Right. Right, uh, and then, and then the final test we did was a was what they call a consequence. Right. So, for this rule, what we said is that if a if if a certain field was blank, then set the blocked field to all. So what happens is if. The, right, you, you you don't set that field that's required. The customer automatically was blocked, yeah. and this was the best part. Once I went back in and I filled in the field, it automatically removed that blocked field because right. it saw that I no longer had that consequence. So it undid it and and yeah. and cleared it out. Yeah, I, I it was pretty amazing. The one thing I think I might have liked to have seen, but. I don't, I don't know if they could do it, was was put a red asterisk, like we talked about earlier, next to the mandatory field. I'll give you a red asterisk. <laughs> but that, yeah, it worked. It worked yeah. phenomenally. It does. It, was it does. So, so like, you know, bef before, you know, you know, we, we, you know, over gloat and gloat and gloat. Yeah, yeah, too much, yeah. Right? Keep in mind, it's free. That's, well, that's, right? why, you, that's why you get to gloat about it. <laughs> but... In regards to, quote, mandatory fields, it is still a warning and does not prevent posting. Correct. 
right? So um, follows the business central logic, right? So it, you know, instead of the red asterisk that you love so much, yeah. <laughs> it actually pops up a warning message, to, displays it to the user like in their face that they have to click OK on, yeah. right, to continue. So I'm okay with that. Like mm-hmm. I, to me, the the red asterisk, it's kind of easy to ignore that. But I get a message when I try to leave a record, and it says, you know, shipment a, shipping agent must be pop, must not be blank. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's let's give the user some credit, right? Well, yeah, I, I look at the red asterisk asterisk more of let's just say you've got forty fields to fill out. Yeah. You just want to know which ones are actually required instead of having to do all of them and then finding out, you know, at the end when you try to leave the page that you missed one or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So. So I would say, you know, we, we, we were having fun kind of going through and, right, you, you heard about all the different scenarios we did. And by the way, we installed the app, we, we, we ran through the setup, and we did all of this testing, would you say an hour? Yeah, just about an hour. In sure. one hour. So all Easy those tests that we did, right, first yeah. time ever looking at it and yep. figuring out how to set up the filters how to set up those the consequences and running through all the tests, and know, that was without following the instructions. Without right, <laughs> you did, without opening a username. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely uh, nice and, and, and smooth, smooth running. Yeah, I, would, I like it a lot. I, w- I would recommend it. You know, anyone that says they're looking for a little bit more in terms of mandatory fields, uh, I, I would say absolutely uh, take a look at, at Naftalus. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. And then uh, let's talk about some of the other ones that might even extend uh, the mandatory field functionality a little bit more than Navtilis does. So you've got data security by EOS solutions. Um, yep. e- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's got, it's got a little bit more features. For instance, uh, let's see, you can manage user or group policy and permit to change record status only to, to granted people. You can send an email when a record change status, uh, you know, no coding, very easy, that type of thing. It's uh, it's it, it just has more more functionality as as it should, right? Because this is a paid version, so yep. pricing for this one is yearly subscription. Uh, if you, to get full functionality is six hundred seventy eight dollars seventy six cents or six hundred U.S. dollars, yeah, or six hundred euro. So, but that is, that's for. Th- 13 predefined tables, Correct. is that right? And then access to extensions to add more. So um, there's you know, some limitations. And what I, not- what I noticed on this one is that it, it appears to be free. It appears to be free. But if you read the d- detailed description of it, it is free for mandatory fields on the vendor table. Yes. So that you can it. install the app and you can use it on the vendor table. But beyond that, you need the paid subscription. You do need to pay, yeah. All right, next up, status manage- management by Appertunix. Uh, this one, you can define your own custom lifecycle with your own statuses, set up permissions for each status by user group. Uh, there's an option to create archive versions of sales and purchase documents for each status. You know, it's got, it's just like the other one, has more features. Yeah, yeah so you can create flows, and you can also block posting. Yeah. So this is a true, I don't want this sucker to get posted if yeah. this field hasn't been filled in. This takes it to that level and says, okay, you can't, uh, can't process it. 
Yeah, and pricing for this one is, is relatively pretty good. Uh, it's $2.39 per user per month. U.S. Um, dollars. U.S. dollars, correct, yeah. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about this, though, is they said that, that if a free trial is set up in a production environment, it automatically changes to a paid subscription when the trial ends. I'm not a fan of those type of things. I think when the trial's over, end it. Don't you've just been you've been hoodwinked one too yeah. many times over your over your lifetime. I have, right? yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> iPhones and apps years ago when they first came out. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yep. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so that looks like a, kind of a, a definitely a more feature rich, mm-hmm. um, you know, app uh, with some more bells and whistles on it. This, yeah, and that app actually adds two permission sets to Business Central: the Status Management Manager and the status management user permission sets. So you can kind of control who has the ability to set up these rules. Yeah. And which is kind of nice. Yeah. All right. And we got one more. We do. You want to lead it off? Yeah. Uh, Release Pro from Ultima. Uh, and that one is, again, has some, like, workflow. Uh, it, it can be incorporated with the workflow approvals. Uh, within Business Central on sales documents and purchase documents. It also has the ability for you to set up, do you want it to um, just provide a notification to the user, provide a warning, or make it truly mandatory? So you can kind of, you have a couple different types of rules that you can put in place. Um, And this one is uh, approximately, well, not exactly, $56.72 U.S. dollars per month uh, requires an annual contract. Yeah. So I I don't know what those numbers, is that 50 euros? uh, That one I do not know. I I lose track of my currency translations. Yeah, it's probably Um, about 65, somewhere on there. So, yeah, so my my takeaway on it is that... For many people, the free version, Naftalis, that we reviewed, you know, provides a really good level of functionality. It's kind of like the 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if you're looking for that extended functionality, the EO Solutions, Appertunix, or Ultima's products might be something worth looking into. Yeah. And there's nothing more I love more than having options, right? Because each company is unique that's why they're running business central right because you can tailor it you know to, to manage your business um and all, and having four at least right and i yeah. we may have I, all apologies to, to yeah. others yeah. <laughs> that you know there may be other mandatory field apps out there also that we didn't have a chance to <laughs> yeah. cover so our apologies uh, if that is the case um but uh but this was our our, our you know, what we could get done here. Yeah, and, you know, like like we said earlier, the one thing I like about Naftalus is free. Can't go wrong with a good app that is free. People like a, a good price point, that's for sure. Yeah, i I, I got to wonder why it's free. I, have to look, I haven't looked at any of their other apps. Maybe they've got some other bigger apps, and that's where they get the revenue from or whatnot, but... Yeah, when you get to the, who knows, yeah, right? I didn't see anything like where it said, well, if you actually truly want to block posting, right? Like, right. like instead of just giving you these, these in-your-face warnings when you're, when you're missing something, you truly want to block it, then you get the premium version and that's what you pay for, right? Like yeah. kind of the old model of you give people some base level of features and functionality for no charge, but then when you want to 
add some of the advanced bells and whistles. Yeah. You pay pay now, for that. Speaking of that, I think we, we, we chatted about it before. I guess another option, too, to these apps would be, we talked about it in our last segment, but would be to actually pay to have your own extension created, and then you own the extension for the life of your business center, whatever. Yeah. You know, instead of having to pay a yearly fee and whatnot, that, right. I mean, that's also another option. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at it, right, um, let's say like in, in the case where you have a very uh, finite list of fields that you want to be mandatory, and, right? And you go, look, I've got these, it's, it's 18 fields across four different tables. Yeah. I, I just want to make sure that the user can't leave without populating this. We talked about the, the blank mm -hmm. and show mandatory right. properties. Go write an extension that just makes those 18 fields mandatory. Sure, you're gonna you're gonna pay a developer if you have to 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 do that. But once you pay the developer one time, you now have that extension, and there's no recurring costs yep, going it's forward. It's done, and it's going to stay in your environment going forward. Um, where, where, if if that's the case, that could be a the best solution for you. Yeah. However, you know that things change, change, right? Fields. Next yeah, month, yeah. hey, I've got two more fields. Yeah. <laughs> can we make these? Can we make these two new fields mandatory? Right. <laughs> Everyone over time, the business evolves. Things change. You start running this new module. You realize you need this one to be, you know. So that's where these apps come into play because they're flexible and you can extend them and you know use them for different fields and different tables. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. We made it through another episode of Shot of Business Central and Beer, but we have to review the beer. We did that, not review the beer. That we do, my friend. Um, I guess I could go first. You know, I gotta start taking in. The, I gotta, I gotta up my beer review game, right? So I know, you know, there's taste, aroma, look, smell, all that stuff. Oh yeah. I'm gonna start taking in consideration the design on cans and and, and beer bottles. I've noticed a couple times with our last last uh, purchases of cans, they're they're going all out with art on the cans. Sure. And it's it's kind of amazing, and I think that type of quality and uh it's marketing commitment right? it gets sells yeah. catches your eye when maybe i guess yeah i guess so when you're walking through binnies but there's so many things in like binnies that yeah you got you got a <laughs> thousand options sitting there yeah so what what's gonna what's gonna catch your eye right you want to go first or you want me to go first i'll i'm i'm willing i'm willing to go first so um not uh probably not there's no surprise to anyone, but uh, I like IPAs yeah, and American yeah. uh, pale ales and pilsners, uh, right? So this is, I brought this so I could <laughs> drink something I in, I would enjoy today. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 95. Which wow, that is a lot higher than I thought you were going to go. It is high. It's it's one of my favorites. It's uh it's one point higher than Carlsberg Danish Pilsner that we brought in wow. as an homage to Navision uh, back in the day. So and I and so I looked at kind of uh, what I gave what I gave the Carlsberg and uh, I I like this just a scotch more. So and I, that was a 94. So I have no choice. 
Let's go, go 95. What'd you give Miller Lite, do you know? Miller Lite? Yeah, didn't you have Miller Lite on 89. That? 89. Because that's just an everyday beer. So so there's, right? Yeah, but I, I put them on the, kind of the reasons, same level, right? right? Like, yeah. I like Miller Lite. That's an 89 because I, I could drink that any time, any day, right? But this from a flavor, flavor, general enjoyment standpoint, yeah, I, I go with 95. And yeah. I've only got so, two, uh, actually two or three that, that I've rated higher. Um, yeah. So Zombie does. Two, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, your palate is obviously a little bit more defined than mine with beer. And, and It is, but, and maybe that's just the thing, right? There's people who, they get all the subtle notes of all this or whatnot. I'm more of, it's good or it's bad. You know what I mean? I don't get the horse blanket and the, the chocolatey notes. Yeah. Did you enjoy drinking it? Yes, yes, That's, exactly. Right? right. That's the bottom line. Did yeah. You, are you going to so look back and go, yeah, that was pretty good? Yeah, yeah. So it's harder sometimes to distinguish between like a Miller Lite and, and a, a, what is this, Kronbacher you said? Mm-hmm. Right? It's a little bit more difficult for me. Um, I think I gave Miller Lite maybe like an 84. So I'm going to go with... Can you see what I gave Miller Lite? I don't have a rating for you on that. Was that one that I drank? Oh, maybe it's one you, you drank. drank uh, Corona or something else? Jack Daniels, maybe. Might maybe. have been during the pandemic, yeah. right? Jack and Coke? Yeah. Yeah, not just straight Jack. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, if I would give Miller like an 84, I'm going to go with 85. One right above it. To me, they're they're kind of on the same plane. So um, you you gave uh, Summer Shandy. Uh, Leinenkugel's Summer Shandy in 84. I did? You did. Oh, I got to go lower than that. All right. Oh, you're killing me. All right, then I got to go... I got to go 80 then for this. So, similar... <laughs> so, similar... <laughs> I'm so, sure I'm all over Similar the <laughs> to the Samuel Smith's Organic Chocolate Stout. That was pretty good. I liked that one. It wasn't bad. That's, that was an 80. That was an 80? Yeah. Yeah, it's probably on par. Two different beers, though. Very, right. Very you know what different. I mean? but, but, the, but, but to your point, the overall level of enjoyment right, right, is, exactly. what, is what we're doing. Yeah. yeah really. Yeah, I'm going to go 80 then. I'm going to go 80. And you went 95? Yep. All right. <laughs> I got to get my, my ratings in order. <laughs> Come on, get your head out of your ass. I got, I got to. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, once again. As always, share the podcast. Let us know if you like it. Let us know if you have any questions or want to be a guest. And uh, Ken's going to take us out. Bye-bye. As we end today's podcast, we want to give a big thank you to everyone who listens, shares this podcast, and leaves us reviews. You've taken a good amount of your time out of your day, and we truly appreciate it. Thanks again. And uh, don't be afraid to email us at marketing at solsyst.com with your tips for the podcast, or maybe you'd even like to be a guest during an episode.